Welcome to Gethsemane Church. I'm Pastor Mark Lowe. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We hope today's service will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you. For more information about our church, please go to GethsemaneChurchG3.com. God bless and enjoy the service. The title of the message tonight is, I am what I am. I am what I am. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, the Bible says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are tremendously gracious. As we've said, God, to be in your house tonight, it's just a privilege. Every time we can gather together this side of eternity with our brothers, our sisters in Christ, these that are watching with us here on Facebook, social media sites, God, people all over this world, we're just thankful for the opportunity to be with them. And most importantly, God, we're thankful that you're here with us. Your presence, God, is among us. And Lord, we just thank you so much again just Just for being our God, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your protection. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you. We can't thank you enough, Lord, for all that you've done for us. As Paul was telling the church here in Corinthians, as he was telling them, Lord, about your grace, about your mercy, about your kindness, and about Jesus, the Savior of the world. Just as he was telling them how awesome you are, God, we want to let you know that tonight, that we feel the same. You're so awesome. And without you, we'd be nothing. But with you and through you, all things are possible according to your word. So we just thank you for that tonight. Thank you for making each one of us fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for making us who we are, God. We're not somebody else, but we're us. And Father, we just want to say thank you for that tonight as well. God, we ask that you would just bless us as we look into your word. Bless our teachers. Bless all of our our young adults as they go back, God. Just be with each one of them, Lord. Let your spirit reign supreme in this sanctuary, in those classrooms, in our lives tonight and forevermore. And God will always praise you and honor you and glorify you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. And once again, all God's children said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you tonight. Amen. We'll dismiss our young adults and their teachers. Amen blessed to have such a wonderful worship team again want to we don't say that enough but just so thankful for their dedication to worshiping the lord and leading us into worship amen if you have your bible want to go with us to first corinthians chapter 15 we'll be at verse 1 we'll work our way through verse 10 first corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 and we'll go through 10 i am what i am i love this passage in first corinthians chapter 15 because it's paul talking to the church at Rome, at uh, Corinth, and he was just dealing with some things there. He was basically just talking to these, some new converts, some folks that might have just been standing around, and he was talking to them about Jesus. He was talking to them about God's love, about who Jesus is, right, about the resurrection, right, about Jesus dying, giving his life for us, and being resurrected, and, and again, he was just talking to them about Jesus and making sure that they understood you know, who Jesus was and that Jesus was real and that Jesus is awesome, right? And it seems like today we're doing the same thing, right? We just got to keep telling people 
Jesus is awesome. Jesus is real. Jesus loves us, right? All these things, right? It's what we do every day. We're just, uh, William Wilson used to say, we're, we're just slinging a little hope. Isn't that right? Everywhere that we go. And so that's uh, what we're going to look at trying to do tonight. But there's a quote by a famous uh, uh, poet here. His name was Oscar Wilde. Wilde. And he said, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Amen? Be yourself because everyone else is taken. And that's true. Most of us in this life are not real happy with ourselves, right? Most of us aren't. Some of us are really infatuated with ourselves, but most of us are not happy with ourselves. There's always flaws, right? And some, most of us can see flaws in ourselves when, when a lot of people don't see flaws, right? Some people see flaws in us, but we think everybody sees all the flaws that we see. In fact, we walk around with complex problems most of the time. Right, we're worried about what our hair looks like, worried about our nose, worried about our hips, worried about our knees, worried about our ugly toes, worried about this, worried about that, right? All of us do that from time to time, and we always see somebody and go, what? Boy, I wish I looked like them, or I wish I looked like that, right? I wish I had that instead of this, you know, or this, you know, or whatever it is. A lot of us do that, right? And we, 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 we just, we want to put, we want to be Frankensteins, is that right? I just need a piece from that person, a piece from that person, and if I could have that person's eyes and that person's nose and that person's legs and this person's hands, right? If we could get all that together and just make that me, I would be happy with me. But we wouldn't be, right? Because there would be something wrong then too. They say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and that's true, right? Uh, most of the time we're looking at ourselves, so we're the beholders, and most of us don't see a whole lot of beauty. But here's the great thing. The Bible says that God makes beauty out of ashes. Amen. He turns those ashes to beauty. He takes what you and I see as flawed and he turns it into a beautiful thing. Amen. Only God can do such a thing. Right. That's what he did with us when, when, he, when he pulled us out of the miry clay and he, and he saved us from the sin that we were in. He took something that was ugly and he turned it into something that was beautiful. He took something that was being used for the world's pleasures and turned it in to being used for his glory and for his honor. That's what God does. God specializes, right, in being Dr. Frankenstein. Amen? He turns everything that you and I see as bad and turns it into something very, very good. Right? So tonight, if you get nothing else out of this, be yourself because as Oscar Wilde said, everybody else is taken. God, wanted, God never intended for me to be you. He never intended for you to be me. He never intended, I, this was something I had to learn in my ministry early on because I was around some very, some very influential ministers and they were, they were mentors to me. And I learned a lot from them. They taught me a lot. Uh, I was around them for a lot of things. I was around them for a lot of prayer, a lot of funerals, a lot of weddings, a lot of baby dedications, a lot of, a lot of happy times, a lot of negative times, powerful times. And so as I watched these wonderful men and women around me, I found myself trying to pull pieces of each one of them into my ministry. And there's nothing wrong with having mentors. There's nothing wrong with having uh, examples in front of us. But never forget that God made you who you were because you have a purpose in life that even your mentors cannot do. Only you can do it. Amen? That's why the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's not talking about your waistline. He's not talking about your bus size. He's not talking about your, 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 your whatever it is that you worry about. 
God's not talking about that. He's not talking about, you know, your, your Mary Kay face and all those things. He's looking, he's talking about fearfully and wonderfully made, meaning spiritually he puts you together and you are the, one of the most powerful weapons the world has ever known. All of us sitting in here today are weapons of mass destruction. Amen? Mass destruction as you're looking at sin, right? God made us to devour those things, to move Satan out of the way. He made us to do that, each one of us. And every one of us have the ability to do that in Christ. We can change the world with Christ. This is what he's trying to tell them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we are powerful in Christ. And because of Christ, we're that way. And Paul begins to talk to them right about these things. We're going to read it here. And he, he, he's trying to show them some things, but it culminates in verse 10 where, where Paul is telling them, I'm not worthy of what I'm preaching, what I'm teaching, what I'm telling you, but Paul said, I am what I am, right? And then he goes on to tell them he worked harder. He had to work harder in his mind than any of the other apostles. But it wasn't him that was doing it. It was God who was in him. Amen? So let's take a look at that here today. That's what we want to look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 10. This is Paul here. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Paul said, I'm just simply going to talk to you today about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I received, he said, and that wherein you stand today. I received it, and you're standing in it, you did too. And he's just simply going to reiterate to them this same gospel. The message of Jesus Christ is simple, is it not? We try to make it complicated. Preachers are very bad about that. We, we really spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to wow you guys into thinking about how we have seen something new in the Scripture that maybe you haven't seen, and we say something. That's why sometimes you'll see us up here preaching, and we'll say, I mean, are y'all listening? Right? I mean, can I get an amen? Because we hit a spot that we thought you had never heard before. Right? We're trying to really work this thing, right? We're trying to show you from different angles, right? That's where, and that's not a bad thing. Jesus says to us to compel people to come, and he, we're just trying to make it where you can understand it. But the message itself is simple enough, amen? And this is what Paul said. He said, look, I'm just going to stand in front of you here today. Paul was an educated man, a very educated man. He sat on the, high, the, the Sanhedrin court at one time, right? He was not, he was not just some fly-by-night person. He was very educated. But he was simply saying, I'm not going to talk above you. I'm just going to give you what Jesus said. Okay, and that's what he says. I'm just going to stand before you and tell you, I received him. I'm going to preach it, and you're standing in the same thing. So he lays that groundwork first of all. Then he says, by which also you are saved. And he says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered, he said, unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Right, starting from the very beginning. I'm just going to tell you those same things, he says. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Right? Again, just simply saying, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. Right? Jesus really lived. Right? And, and he goes on to tell them of these people that saw Jesus. He says, after that, he was seen above, of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present time, but some of them have fallen asleep, some are dead, but the majority of that 500 are still alive today that will testify that Jesus really lived and that he died and that he was resurrected again. Right? This is what he's telling them. Okay, he's just simply laying out again the plan of salvation. After that, he said, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. 
He said, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Paul was an apostle, just as those 12 were apostles. And I'm going to say this, because you've heard me say it before, and we can discuss it if you like to discuss it. But biblically speaking, when you hear people today say that they are Apostle Mark Lowe or Apostle Ron Gunter, I'm not an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. I have been a witness of his in the spiritual sense, but I have not laid eyes on him face to face. I have not sat with him and talked with him. An apostle is an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. Paul being one of them. Amen? Paul was one of them. And he just simply said, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm the least among them, Paul was saying. For I am the least of the apostles that, I, that, that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Before we read any further, this is what I wanted you to see. Paul was just simply, again, laying out the simple plan of Jesus and just simply saying, don't forget who Jesus is. Don't forget about how you were saved by Christ. Don't forget about the call that he's placed in your life. If so, he said, everything we've done has been in vain. And then he just simply talks about who Jesus was and that he was real. right? Because I think in that day, just in this day, some people question whether Jesus was real or not. But of course he was real. There's evidence of that. I've been to Israel. I've been over there. There's documentation, just like there's documentation that you were born in Greenwood County or in North Carolina or in Florida, wherever you were born. There's information showing that you lived in an area and that you that you've done things in that area. Same thing in Israel. Those things are there. Nobody doubts that over there. Not even, not even the Jews, right, that don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They will tell you there's no doubt that he was there. No doubt he did the things that he did. So as he begins to tell them all that, he talks to them about being the least among them. He said, because I was one who persecuted the church of God. And as I was fixing to say, look, here's, this is the crux of the whole message. I think sometimes we as Christians think because of the life that we've lived that we can't be as powerful as Christians as Paul and Peter and James and John and Mark and Luke, right, and all these people that we read about. We think, man, we've done a whole lot worse things than they've done. Right? That's what we typically think. I talked to a lady here yesterday, and she, we were talking about, who, you know, about life and how long you live, and, and I told her that, that you know, I was trying to lose some weight. Don't y'all laugh. I have actually lost eight pounds. I'm a little bit upset nobody said nothing since I've been here. <laughs> I know it's a lot to lose, so it's, it's going to take a while if y'all don't even tell I lost anything. But we were talking about that, and I said, look, hon, you'll probably outlive me. I said, I, you know, I haven't always taken the best of care. And she could look at me. She looked down at me like, yeah, I know. But, uh. She said, I don't know about that. She said, I lived like a rock star when I was younger. And so she was just talking about how, how bad a life that she lived. You never know it by looking at her today. She's a health fanatic. But she said, I'll probably never live real long because of that. And she was just talking about the things she'd done. And, and so it's the same way spiritually. We start looking at our life spiritually thinking, man, I'm just not, you know, I'm not Billy Graham. You know, I'm not Joey Powell or I'm, I'm not Missy Cleveland. I'm not Garfield. I'm not those people, right? I, I, I can't do what they do, right? And that teacher that you had that time, you know, I'm not, I'm nowhere near that person or that preacher there. I'm just not, nowhere near that person. And we spend most of our Christian life living beneath the blessings of God, right, because we can't get past our past. Is that right? Paul, this is why this, is why this was written in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to show them it's not by our might but by his. It's not about us anyway. It's about Jesus. It's not about where you've been, it's where you're going. It's not about what you've done, it's about what you're going to do. Amen? You with me? See what I'm saying? And so 
Paul was dealing with this with the church at Corinth. And he said, look, you know, I, I'm an apostle. I was an eyewitness to Christ. I've been saved. I've preached this gospel to you. You have accepted that gospel. And if you don't carry out the gospel, then it was all in vain. And then he goes on to say to him, I, I persecuted. Paul killed Christians. Paul persecuted Christians. He was on his way to Damascus when Jesus struck him down. He was not going to Damascus to cook a meal for the Christians. He was not going down there to pat them on the back and celebrate that they had gotten saved. He was on his way down there to persecute them for their belief in Christ. That's where he was going. He had written documentation right, from, from the high priest to go down there and to lay hold on these guys right, and imprison them for what they called breaking the law. This is what Paul was doing. And he said, look, man, I'm, I'm not worthy at all. But he said, I'm going to do it because it's Christ, right? Not me. He said, I'm not worthy. So that's why I love that quote by Oscar Wilde. We can't be somebody else. We've got to be ourselves. Your story is the greatest story that can ever be told. Did you know that? Satan plays with our mind and he tells us, I can't give that testimony, right? I had a lady one time, I said, you need to give your testimony. And she said, do I got to give it all? <laughs> what she meant was, it's embarrassing and people are going to think less of me. But if you've given your heart to Christ, people don't think less of you, they think more of you. Amen? Amen? Because you have overcome the things of the world and now you are standing in the grace of Jesus Christ. Right? You have been on that side of the fence and now you're on this side of the fence. Right? Satan wants us to think people ain't going to believe this. You know, they're not going to look at me the same from here on out. And, and, and if I tell, give them my testimony, they'll never sit in my Sunday school class again while I'm teaching it. Right? And so what we do is we hold back. But what we don't understand is, is your story in its totality is what changes the life of an individual. Because their story might match your story, or your story might be worse than their story. And they go, well, my goodness, if Jesus will save you, I'm in. Is that right? And we've all got that story. Every single person in here has got something in your life that you don't want nobody to know about. We will open Pandora's box to, an, to a certain level, but we don't want to open it all the way up for fear of what people are going to think of us. Look, it's really not about what people think about us. It's about what Jesus thinks about us. Paul is again trying to show them that, right? And we do the same thing. These people looked at Paul like, man, you're Paul. I mean, you know, it was noised abroad about what things Paul was doing. Everywhere Paul went, right, the Spirit of God was doing amazing things through, through Paul because of his obedience to God. And everywhere he would go, people knew Paul because, again, they heard about the things that God was doing. And they were thinking to themselves, there's no way we can be you, Paul. We understand. We love your letters. They're beautiful letters. We appreciate your encouragement. But there's no way we can be you. Right? And people, people do that all the time. They're like, you're trying to encourage them. I said, look, don't, I can't be you. I can't do the things you do. You're right. You can do greater things than I can do. Amen? Greater things. This is why Jesus told them, right, that not to marvel. When, remember when he cursed the fig tree? He told them not to marvel at that. But as he talked to them, he said, we're going to do greater things. We can do those things and even greater things. Why? Because Christ is Christ. You can do greater things than I can do. So Paul's encouraging them. He said, listen, don't let your past hinder right now, right, and what God has for you. Okay? We spend so much of our time 
living in the rearview mirror rather than looking through the windshield. You've heard that said many times. It's so true. We look in the side mirrors, we look in the rearview mirror, but we don't focus clearly on what's in front of us a lot of times. Right? Because again, we're more interested in our past, where we've been, than where we're going. Right? And we're haunted sometimes by our past. The only way you're going to get over your past is to use your past. Amen? It's the only way. Give your heart to Christ, and instead of trying to hide your past, use your past. Amen? Because that's what's going to make the difference in somebody's life. Amen? That's going to make the difference. So Paul said, I, I persecuted the church of God. Then he goes on to say, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He said, But I labored more abundantly than they all, than all the other apostles. But the grace of God, he said, Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul said, I felt like I had more to do than anybody. Amen? And do you, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, right? I know when Jesus saved me of my sins and forgave me, I felt so unworthy. I was blessed and thankful, but felt so unworthy. I felt like I had to do more than anybody else. There was a lot more I had to accomplish than a lot of other people because of my past, because of the things that I had done. And I felt like I needed to do more than anybody else. But the reality is, saved by grace is saved by grace. Amen? And if he saves, if he can save uh, Charles Manson and he can save Charlie Brown, they're both the same. They both start on the same even space. That's hard for us to understand, right? Paul and then Charlie Brown. That's two different things. I mean, Charlie never done nothing bad to nobody in his life. It's all happened to Charlie, right? Charles Manson, on the other hand, right, whole different ball game. But if both of them got saved... They're equal in God's eyes. Amen? And the plan that God has for them is theirs. Charlie would have a great testimony, so would Charles Manson. Both of them would be effective for the kingdom of God. You are what you are. Don't try to change and be something you're not. If, you, if you're not saved, don't try to be. Don't try to act like you're saved. Right? Jesus said those are hypocrit hypocritical people. If we, act, if we act like something that we're not, we're hypocritical. Now, most of us would agree with that, right? If you're not saved, don't try to be saved. But if you are saved, don't try not to be. If you are a child of God, don't try hard not to look like one. If you're a child of God, don't try to suppress the presence of God in your life. Amen? Let it out, right? We need to all practice what Elsa said. Let it go. Let it go. Is that right? We got to let it go. Amen? If you're a child of God, don't be a hypocrite and try to hide Jesus. Right? That's what he's telling them. Man, I'm not worthy either. I was killing Christians. But man, I'm out here doing, doing the work of the Lord. I'm thankful for what God's done for me. Right? My past is not going to hinder my future. And you can't let your past hinder your future. You can't, you can't be ashamed of the world and ashamed of God too, right? I'm ashamed of the things I've done, but by grace I have overcome them things because Christ has overcome them. Amen? So yes, I'm not proud of them, but I'm not going to let those things hinder me. I'm going to use them for the glory of God. Amen? And I'm not, if I'm a Christian, I'm not going to hide that thing. Right? It's almost like I've told people before, I can remember when I first got saved and I was uh, in a position at Clendenin that I would, I would be with a lot of folks that were, made a whole lot more money than I had. Right? And I was around some folks, pretty influential people in business. 
And I can remember having to go out to eat with some of them sometimes, and we'd sit down to eat, and something as simple as, I knew I was supposed to pray over my meal. I just felt conviction about that, right? And so I've always done it. And I can remember the first few times I sat down, and they just started diving in. They started eating. And I thought, well, I can't do that, right? I just can't do that. So I sat there, and I said, well, I said, well here's what I don't want to make a big scene or anything or, or cause a problem, right, or, and, or get into some kind of theological uh, discussion here as to why I prayed. So I would just sit over there while they're all talking. They're looking at me, and I'm talking to them too, and they're eating. I got my fork in my hand, and they're talking to me. What do you think about that? Yeah, oh, yeah. And in my mind, I'm going, thank you, Jesus, for this food. And I'm trying to talk to him while I'm talking to them, right? And the Bible says a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways, right? So I'm trying to act like I'm listening to them, but the whole time I'm just praying, Lord, bless this food so it don't kill me, right? And thank, being thankful for it. And, and or, I, or I would just real quick, while they're, I'm thinking they're putting their butter on their bread, I just real quick close my eyes and it almost like that, God is great, God is good, let's thank for a food thing. It was just real quick, you know, and I felt better about it. When in reality, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't feel good about it at all, right? And so finally, I got past that. I, I, God was just saying, Mark, are you, I mean, are you saved or not? You know, are you a Christian or not? See, something as simple as saying the prayer over your meal in the middle of a restaurant around people that you don't know is as much of a testimony as you stand up in front of 10,000 people with a microphone in your hand giving your testimony. It's a testimony because they see you praying. And if you're praying, that means there's been a change. Amen? And so when you sit there and you pray, and here's what I learned. When I started praying, they put their forks down. And they either prayed or at least they were silent while I prayed. There was reverence for God. Amen? And here's what it did, Brother Ron. Somebody would look at you and say, oh, you go to church. Man, the door opened. Now instead of me just being there to eat a filet mignon, I'm really there to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. And what, realized, what I realized and what really came to my little peanut brain was, Mark, you wasn't here for the stake, no way. God put you in that situation to show the light of Jesus. Amen? I, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't bless me to be in a nice place to eat. He blessed me to be there to let them know about Jesus. And the simplest of ways was that prayer. And it opened the door for me to let people know about Jesus. And from that moment on, when I had the courage to do it, and we started talking about it, Every time I met with those people, they waited on me to pray. Amen? And I found they would join in prayer. Isn't that awesome? The very things you think people don't want, they need and they want. Amen? Amen? I want you to get something else. I think Paul was trying to say something pretty powerful right here. If it's at, your, at the dinner table in the middle of some restaurant, if you're at a concert somewhere, if you're in the middle of Bilo, well, not Bilo anymore, food line, I guess or Publix, or wherever you're at, Walmart, Aldi, don't leave nobody out, wherever you're at, wherever God's got you, if you're a child of God, it's divine appointment. You may be there, you think, in your mind to pay a power bill, and you may be, but God's got you there at that moment because that little old lady on the other side that you're going to give that check to is heartbroken because something bad just happened to her in her life. But God's got you there to let them know there's hope in Jesus. Everywhere that we go as children of God, we ought to be looking for opportunities. Everywhere we go, we ought to think about we're here because God placed us there. He puts light in dark places. Amen? I really believe Paul was talking to the church here saying, Look, if you're a Christian, be one. Or else this word that you've received is in vain. Amen? If you're here today and, and you claim to be a child of God, claim to be saved, we need to be one of those people, right? You are who you are, right? I, I love the passage. It scares me, but I love it, where it talks about if we're ashamed of Jesus now, we're ashamed of him here, and he's going to be ashamed of us when we stand before his father. 
Amen? So we got to, you know, if it was good enough on Sunday morning, right, to trust him, it's good enough to trust him out there. Amen? Not just right here, out there. You with me? There's a lot of, there's a lot of underground Christians in the world today. Amen? In China, uh, in, 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 in Israel, there's a lot of underground Christians in, uh, in, in wherever. You name a place, there's a lot of them all over the world. North Korea, South Korea, there's a lot of underground Christians. But there's a lot of underground Christians in America too. There's a lot of underground Christians in the church. There's a lot of folks who are Christians, but it's all underground. Amen? You don't even know it. You can't even see it. That's where you, you've heard older folks say you can't tell the church from the world. I don't necessarily think it was, although they they were meaning we're letting the world in the church. But I think what they also meant was, is the church is not going out in the world. We're Christians in here, but we take the uniform off when we go out of the locker room. Amen? See what I'm saying? But but, but if you're going to really do it, you need to put it on when you go out of the locker room. Amen? That's when you really need to put it on. So be who you are, right? Everybody else is taken. Just be who you are. God raised you up to accomplish something wonderful. And he raised me up to accomplish something wonderful. I personally don't believe that I have achieved what God has for me yet in this life. I do not. I'm far from it. In fact, it haunts me constantly. I tell Keith that all the time. I just feel like there's something more. There's something different. There's something else, right? And really for all of us, we should have that same passion, that same feel, right? God, this can't be it. Have I, have I reached the plateau? I mean, is this it? Is this utopia? Is this the best it's going to be for me as a child of God? I would say to you today, I think I can say this under the authority of God's word, no, you haven't reached it yet because we're still living. Amen? I used to, it used to bother me as a young Christian to hear older Christians stand and talk about what they used to do for God, what they've done, where they've been, and now I've turned it over to somebody else. You never turn over your work. Amen? You never retire from God's plan. I used to get tickled at preachers too. I'm retired. You never retired as a minister of the gospel. You might retire from pastoring, but you're not going to retire from preaching, right? Because it's in you till you die. It's the same way with all of us, right? So, if you, again, if you get nothing else out of this today, just be you and accomplish what God has for you. Rather than us trying to allow our past to hold us back, rather than being ashamed of it, right? Use it for the glory of God, right? Rather than being ashamed of being a child of God, get out there and be that child of God because somebody's counting on it, amen? Somebody's counting on it, right? He said, what did he say in his word? How will they know unless a preacher preach, unless a teacher teach? How are they going to know unless you and I get out there and let them know about Jesus, right? Churches today, we've all as ministers and all as people have come up with a lot of ideas as to why churches aren't growing. Now, we're fortunate here at this church to have grown and continue to grow, right? And, and I think God's going to continue to grow this church as long as we keep him in the middle of it. But we talk about it all the time, why churches are dying, why people aren't going to church anymore. And we've given some really good excuses, and a lot of them are true, right? There's a lot of reasons why we can come up with that. But the one thing you don't hear a whole lot of is we must not be spreading the gospel like we used to, amen? Because if we're out there in the highways and hedges, like he said, compelling people to come, Guess what they're going to do? They're going to come, right? If we say it enough, you may not get them all, but you're going to get some. And I don't know that the church is, is, is as excited as it used to be about Jesus. 
And I don't know that we're as passionate about doing the work of the Lord as we used to be, right? So it's just one of those things that we got to ask ourselves, are we really doing all we need to do for the glory of God? Again, admonishment from Paul, let's be who we are, right? The word is simple. Here's one that Satan always uses to hold us back from being who we are. He usually says this, well, you ain't been saved long, so you don't really have a whole lot of knowledge of Jesus. And if you get out there and start talking about the Lord and somebody really gets in a deep conversation about him, you ain't going to know what to say. Well, that might be true, but the Holy Ghost will give you what you need to say, right? And if nothing else, just tell him your story. Say, I really don't know what you're asking me. I hadn't got there yet, but let me tell you what I do know. Amen? Let me tell you what I do. Can you imagine Paul giving that speech? Now, Paul, he knew a lot. But could you imagine him saying that very thing? When he first got saved, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about this Jesus yet. That's a great question. As, as the Pharisees would ask him this question, something real deep theological question. And Paul said, well, I really don't know. Can't you imagine him saying, but what I do know is, let me tell you, I was on my way to Damascus. And I was going to kill some of these Christians and persecute them. But you know what? This Jesus that you guys are talking about blinded me. Right? And he talked to me. And he asked me some questions. And I accepted him as my savior. And I was blind, right? He said, I, I was blind. And then I went to this guy, one of them guys I've been persecuting. And he laid his hands on my eyes that I might receive my sight. And when I received my sight, I've never looked back. I started telling people about Jesus. That is a powerful story. Amen. It might not have answered their question, but it did. Amen. It did. So what I want you to see today is just be who you are, right? Get engaged with Christ. Get engaged with this world. You're powerful. Every single person that is saved is powerful. Every one of us have a job. Every one of us have a testimony, and it's wonderful. And it will bless somebody's life. Don't hide your past. Use it. Amen? Don't let your past haunt you. Get it behind you, right? And, and focus on your future and what's in front of you. Amen? Because I promise you what's in front of you is far greater than what's, you've been, what's been left behind. You can't, you know, none of us can do anything with this, but we can certainly control this. You with me? This is a very simple message tonight, but I think it's so needed in the world we live today. Our voices have been stomped out and quieted because of our past and, and our thought process that we have such a lack of ability to be effective for Christ. Right, because we're not Billy Graham, we're not Paul, we're not these things. But I can promise you, Billy Graham would say to you today if he was here, he's not you either. Right? He reached a lot of people, but he didn't reach the people you could reach and that I can reach. Amen? He couldn't. God has that plan for us. It's important for us to remember that. I want to read a, a passage of scripture here found in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 10, I don't know that I gave this one to you, Brother Danny, so I'm just going to read this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. His handiwork. Amen. So God made you who you were, right, for a reason. Right? Maybe I look the way I look just to have people turn their head and say, what was that? Right? But at least if they turn, I can say, do you know Jesus? Amen? You with me, Brother Cosmer? Maybe I look the way I look because of that. I don't know. But he's the one that done it. Right? And so I got to trust him 
that however he made me, that it's effective. Okay? And I started by telling y'all that I tried to put a bunch of people in my life, tried to, tried to emulate a lot of people in my life. And I want to finish the story now. I did that for several years, and I found it was one of the hardest times in my ministry because I was stumbling and falling and crawling. And I, I couldn't make, it was just, I was all over the place with the message, and I didn't know whether to stand still, walk, because some of them stood still. Some of them, you know, held a microphone. Some of them didn't. Some of them walked around. Some of them ran. Some of them did everything. So I was really fighting what I should be doing. You know, should I put everything on paper, or should I just have bullet points, or should I just have it on the board? Or should I not have anything, just whatever God gives me? Right? All these, these people in my life, all of them did it differently. And I was trying to pull all those pieces together. And one particular day, God said to me, Mark, I called you to be a minister of the gospel just like you are. Right? And he had to tell me that he didn't want me to be those people. Right? I was trying to live up to a certain expectation because I knew some of the people in there had been under those ministries, and I wasn't going to—I wasn't going to live up to that, right? These guys were; th these folks that were in my life were were very influential and powerful ministers, wonderful teachers, influential people. I mean, they were just so charismatic, and I thought, boy, these guys are going to throw you out of here. They're going to throw tomatoes, you know, because I'm not those guys. And I tried to be like them, and he just reminded me, if I'd have wanted you to be them, I'd have made you like them. Amen. And when I decided to myself, Lord, okay, I'm just going to do it the way you give it to me. It changed everything. Amen? It changed everything. And the freedom to preach the gospel then came to me. And it was so much easier. And what I learned was it's not about Mark anyway. Right? It's the word of God that draws people. It's not me. It's not anybody else in the building. It's the word of God. If it don't draw them, it don't matter who we are. Right? You've heard me say before, I mean, I could be a mix between Fabio and The Rock. It ain't going to matter. There may be a few people come just to see that, but they won't stay. Right? They won't. The word's what brings them. The word's what keeps them. Amen? That's what Paul said. Right? That's what he said. It's the word, not me and you. So just be you, give your testimony, and let God do what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Please be.